the ship has hit the iceberg. Well, imagine that you're a waiter in a first-class dining hall on the Titanic, and bam, you know, the ship hits the iceberg. You hear the metal crunching and ripping open, and, you know, you feel the whole ship shuddering with the impact. Right? Uh, what do you do? You know, do you continue with business as normal? Refilling, you know, the drinks of the upper class twits that you're waiting on, you know? Do you uh, listen to your boss when he tells you, like, hey, you need to you know, hurry up and bust those tables or whatever, or whatever it is that you're doing, you know? Uh, so it's an honest question, because we're kind of at a strange point in our history, if you haven't noticed. And uh, things are just getting weirder at an accelerating pace. It kind of seems like we're accelerating towards some kind of tipping point. Anyway, this is a Ghost in the Machine, the podcast. I'm Daniel D. This is uh, Sunday, November 12th, 2023, episode number 28. Wow, so many great episodes. We're already up to 28. Um, so yeah, it's going to be the heartwarming and uplifting inspiring uh, theme of this podcast episode what do you do after the ship hits the iceberg um and i'm not gonna really try to sell you too much on the idea that we're in a collapse phase you know and that that collapse phase seems to be intensifying and accelerating and becoming more obvious uh and you know these complex systems that you know, undergird our civilization, seem to be, uh, you know, subject to cascading failures, you know, growing competency crisis, uh, lack of investment in rebuilding and repairing um, and, re- and uh, maintaining infrastructure. Um, you know, a lot of things going wrong, and there don't really seem to be any adults in the room any adults that are in charge um nobody's really responsible you know we have the whole stuff going on in the middle east uh hamas you know with their october 7th attacks on israel and i mean that's a very strange thing i did an episode about that previously but uh you know it's come out that members of the media were embedded with hamas when they were making their you know, descent onto the unsuspecting participants of that music festival, you know, this done unsuspecting civilians, you know, they're Hamas just paragliding in and, you know, storming the festival and killing people. And you got uh, reporters for Associated Press and other, you know, uh, media outlets in the West embedded with them. So of course, it makes you wonder, well, if the media knew all about it, uh, you're telling me that the Mossad didn't know and the cia didn't know you know it's uh very strange times i mean hey uh israel um uh, it happened to us in america you know our own government has been involved with uh setting us up leaving us vulnerable for attacks for false flag attacks you know to get wars that they wanted uh, you know so anyway i just bring that up because it's one of the crazy things going on in the world right now. And as that's happening in the Middle East, and there's like all this stuff with Hamas, um, you know, they've got 
apparently terror cells within the United States. Uh, and our border is wide open. Still, you know, after all that, you know, all this, yeah, there's that saying in John Carter over at Postcards from Barsoom had a great article about the, uh, the Bud Light military. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy to see it's, it's, it's this neocon artist, um, method of invade the world, invite the world where they, you know, engage in all these foreign conflicts, um, you know, all these military interventions and regime changes and all these, you know, color revolutions and things like that, that our CIA and state department and military have been engaged in, in, uh, other parts of the world, creating a lot of animosity, a lot of hatred towards America. And then we invite those people in, you know, like after we go over to their part of the world, ruin it, piss them off, get them to hate America and say, oh, you know, by the way, if you just want to show up, you know, just cross over the border. We're not really going to keep tabs on you. We're not going to vet you too hard. You know, in fact, we may even put you up in a nicer facility and take care of you more than we do our own citizens. You know, um, yeah, it's just hard to think that this is not an intentional, I mean, it's, it's so stupid, the, the whole idea of we're going to get the barbarians all pissed off at us, and then we're going to invite them in, uh, you know, within the gates. We're just going to open the door, you know, hey, barbarians, come on inside. Doesn't seem all that smart, and it's just hard to believe that as stupid as some of these neocons are, as stupid as some of these uh, folks in the Brandon administration are, it's hard to believe that they're really that this is purely you know naivety like that they really don't know oh my gosh you know i don't think anything's bad I, we, we you know people want to be free so by all means invite hamas you know destroy uh you know they're part of get them pissed off at us and then invite them over here and then uh you know anyway it just seems like we're being set up for a colossal failure and uh they're you know the the adults that are in the room are uh busy looting the place taking everything they can embezzling stealing you know destroying sabotaging um yeah so we're in the looting phase of our collapse you know it was uh this past week was veterans day and i went to a veterans day ceremony at uh, one of my children's schools and at the beginning of it, one of the students uh, led the audience in a reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. And, yeah, I've said the Pledge of Allegiance a million times. Uh, most of the time, it's so rote that I, you know, I say the words and don't really think too deeply about what it is I'm saying. Um, but, you know, at this occasion, as we get to the line and to the republic for which it stands, I'm like, yeah, we don't have a republic anymore. You know? I mean, I... I I, I did have a lot of allegiance to that republic, to the idea of it, to the principles that it was founded on, but that's not what we have now. You know, this idea that we have anything like a representative democracy where the leaders that are in office in D.C. represent the will of the people at all. That, uh, I mean, you know, for one thing, congressional districts, uh, if the proportions today were the same as what they were when the nation was founded, I mean, would have like 
tens of thousands of congressmen. You know, they capped the number. Uh, they kept it artificially low. It kind of helped centralize power, make it easier probably to uh, buy up everything. As uh, Will Rogers, the great American humorist, once said, America, we got the best politicians that money could buy. Um, unfortunately, those politicians have been bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party, uh, as well as the banks, the banksters, the hedge fund managers, the Larry Finks of the world, the Bill Gates and George Soros's of the world, the Rothschilds and Rockefellers of the world, you know, certainly not regular Americans who value the good of, the, you know, what's good for the American people. Um, yeah, so the idea that we, we have a representative democracy, you know, the Congress represents the will of the voters. Certainly we don't have uh, states represented, which was the original idea with the Senate, that the senators would represent the interests of the states. You know, uh, yeah, it's one of the things now. It seems like we don't really have a local elite anymore that is uh, that has interests that are distinct from the national elite or the elites of other parts of the country or even the elites of other countries it's like the elite class they're pretty much unified across the world in terms of their interests and they have very little in common with the people over whom they rule and that's very true in america we don't really have the republic we got this uh you know people who have no loyalty to the country to the land to the people to the you know the principles of the constitution none of that it's just as much as they can get uh, so back to the thing about the the uh, Titanic and the idea of the ship of state for America having hit the iceberg. Um, for you as a regular person, and this is something I've really been grappling with a lot lately. Eh, kind of been depressing, but you know, it's, it is what it is. It's the world we live in. Um, what do you do? You know, you say so. Back to the uh, thought experiment or the hypothetical of. Uh, you know, you're a waiter in the first class dining hall and ship its iceberg. You know, how long do you stay at your post, you know, waiting tables, you know, making sure that, you know, all these uh, upper class twits have their drinks, you know, refilled and, and, you know, that you, you know, this one, uh, you know, difficult personality that's like you know complaining about everything and wanting to send it back to the kitchen oh it wasn't cooked right or oh it's got too much salt you know how long do you keep that fake smile on your face you know um telling them yes sir yes ma'am get get it right away i don't know what happened you know how long do you keep doing that when the signs seem to be manifesting you know more signs more rapidly uh, that ship is not going to make it. The ship's going to go down. You know, like how long do you continue on? You know, normalcy bias is a powerful thing. Denial, all that I, on the one hand, but at the same time, you don't want to jump ship too soon, right? You're in the analogy of the Titanic. And I think it's similar to this. Uh, if you're on the Titanic, you know, you're in the middle of the ocean. It's not like you can just leave the ship anytime you want. Uh, I mean, I guess in America, you could get a passport. You could go somewhere else in the world. But the thing is, is this worldwide control system. I uh, just look at how unified 
and coordinated the governments of the world were during COVID with their response, you know, the lockdowns and the vaccine rollout and all that, um, the messaging, the, the terms used. And this is a global thing, you know. So say I don't think by leaving the United States you're going to escape it. And it may even be in a worse situation depending on where you go. I mean, look at during COVID. You know, America was bad, but not as bad as some places. And at least here we still have some semblance of a First Amendment. I mean, it's been seriously weakened. You know, just look at the case of Douglas Mackey getting arrested and doing, you know, uh, getting criminally prosecuted and convicted and uh, sentenced uh, for just basically making memes, you know, jokes that if you're too stupid to know that you can't vote for Hillary Clinton by sending a text message, uh, then your vote really, how of how much worth is your opinion anyway, you know, uh, if you're that checked out of the whole process, you can't even be bothered to show up at the polling station. You're like, oh, I can just text it and okay, fuck it, I'm gonna do that. It's like, yeah, you you're probably not um, terribly informed on any of the issues, or you know, probably don't have that much skin in the game since you can't be bothered to actually, you know, educate yourself on how to vote properly, right? But regardless, Douglas Mackey gets prosecuted for that for making memes telling people they could vote for Hillary Clinton by text. But Christina Wong does the same thing against Donald Trump and no prosecution whatsoever. And of course, there's a million examples of that where political speech, political positions are criminalized, essentially. You're, uh, you know, I mean, just look at the narco tyranny being unleashed in a lot of America's blue cities and by the FBI. Uh, regular crimes, violent crimes are not being prosecuted, but you defend yourself against a violent criminal, you get prosecuted. If you are a political enemy of the regime, you get prosecuted. Um, you know, I mean, compare the treatment of Trump to the treatment of Biden, and it's like, uh, yeah, how many felonies did Hunter Biden record himself doing that implicated in some way his dad? I mean, you know, they're... How exactly is Hunter Biden... You know, with no experience uh, with utilities or with, you know, running the type of businesses that with natural gas or any of that, getting on the boards and of these natural gas utilities in Ukraine, getting paid, you know, big money. What does he have to offer other than the Biden family name? You know, and of course, enough evidence has come out that Joe Biden was pretty much directly tied in with these schemes that his family's been running. So anyway. You just compare the, the treatment there between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and it's like, what's being criminalized and prosecuted? Actual crimes or being a political opponent of the regime? Uh, anyway, kind of been all over the place with this, but going back to this idea of, like, you're on the Titanic, you know, and let's just say, to, to make the analogy more, uh, you know, to make it fit better, Say you're on the Titanic, and let's say that um, you start hearing rumors, you know, the ship's been out to sea for a week, and you start to hear rumors about the captain. You know, somebody says, and it sounds kind of crazy, too crazy to believe, right? Because the captain at first seems to be prim and proper and, you know, professionally dressed and, you know, officious in his duties. You know, he, he seems like he's on the up and up, right? So when you hear a rumor that the 
the captain is like has this has this weird sex life where he he's like a pederast he likes to you know molest little boys or whatever like he's you know he's got a very perverse sex life and there's compromising evidence or, or whatever like compromising photographs or correspondence or whatever like that some criminal organization mafia has gotten on the captain and they're threatening the captain uh you know unless he crashes the ship into the into as many icebergs as he can um to, to, to destroy the ship for the insurance money um like or let's just say well anyway i'll give you this example in a minute they've got this compromising evidence on the of captain's sordid sex life crimes you know uh just perverted criminal stuff with underage kids um and they threatened the captain they're like hey you, you either do this or we were we should share these photographs with your family Right, so we're we're ruining your life. We're ruining your reputation. You know, you you better do this. You know, we've got this big insurance policy on this ship. We need you to crash it into the iceberg into, into as many icebergs as you can. Um, you know, and if, if this insurance policy, if, or if this isn't done uh, the way we were telling you to do it, we're going to release these photographs of you. You know, publicly. You know, you'll you know your 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 life will be over. Um, so anyway, let's just say, like, the, 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 the guy's, for whatever reason, you know, he's got this over his head. And so he starts acting erratically. You know, at first you, you hear this rumor and you think, man, there's no way. You know, the captain, like, that just sounds too crazy. But over time, it's like the captain's acting strangely. He's like, he's, you know, drinking way too much. He's, he's you know, half-assed doing his duties he's like slot becoming more slovenly in his appearance and in his manners and he's just obviously drunk all the time and you know, you're so you're wondering well maybe there's something to these rumors that the captain is compromised and that he's going to try to crash the ship you know as you've heard a, a couple of people say maybe they say oh there's you know if they're really conspiracy theory minded they're like hey you know there's all these people that oppose the formation of the federal reserve and you know <laughs> the, some powerful people want this ship to go down with them on it so I don't know. Anyway, uh, this is a, totally a historical, by the way, or just hypothetically speaking. Like, let's just say to make it fit today, you know, you're a waiter, first class dining hall. You've heard these rumors about the captain that he's going to try to crash the ship into an iceberg, you know, and he's because he's got he's a, got this blackmail hanging over his head. You know, they're going to ruin his life and his reputation, you know, to his family and blah, blah, blah. And so you think, well, this is strange. And then you notice the captain's acting more strangely as the, you know, the voyage goes on. And then eventually there's like some near misses where it's like the ship almost hits a couple of icebergs. You're like, what the hell? Why, you know, how did they almost hit this iceberg? How did they not see it? You know, but at the last minute, somebody, you know, steers the ship away. They just barely miss hitting a couple of icebergs and it kind of freaks you out you're like what if there's something to this what if this captain really is compromised you know um you hear more rumors more people are kind of like saying hey something's going on here like the the ship's officers uh, seem to be like not all that interested in actually doing their jobs and keeping things running smoothly on the ship they're like you know just you know getting having orgies getting blackout drunk you know on duty all this sort of stuff right and you're just thinking this is 
not going to end well. But what do you do, right? You're just a waiter in the dining hall. Like, you can't steer the ship, you know. And, if, and you know, maybe at some point you try to bring this to the attention of some of the first-class passengers that you, when you're waiting on these tables, you're like, hey, you know, there's – but they kind of laugh it off. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's absurd. You know, you're, you're being silly. You know, uh, you, you know what are you, drunk on the job or something? Like, you know, just, just refill my drinks and, you know uh, – or I'll tell the manager, you know, that you're, uh, you know, trying to freak out the, the customers or whatever. Right. So you're like, well, I guess people don't want to hear what I'm saying. So, you know, there's this, and then you kind of feel crazy. Like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Like, I don't know. Maybe the captain's just drunk and maybe there is all this stuff about, he's going to crash a ship into the iceberg, you know, but these near misses happen and you're like, something's going on. And then the, then it finally happens. The ship hits the iceberg and you're there, you know, waiting tables and wondering, all right, so what the fuck? When do I go down to the, you know, to the um, lifeboat? When, when do I, when do I just tell the customers like, you guys get your own drinks, I'm out of here, right? The, sh- the ship is not all right, you know. People around you seem to be continuing on. Business is normal, you know. The customers, the your your fellow. Like the kitchen staff, the waiters, I mean, the bartenders, everybody seems to just be acting like it's all normal. And yet a few people are like, you yeah, know, I don't think it's, I think something's really going on here. Maybe you hear some rumors, you know, now, like they're saying, on, you're getting the official word from the captain and his staff, like, oh, the boat's fine. It just, you know, just a little scrape, but it's fine. There's really nothing. Okay, maybe there's a little bit of water, but it's it's really not that much, and they're able to bail it out. Uh, quicker than it's coming in it's fine we're gonna you know make it to port and it'll be fine but then you hear people saying you know hey i heard it's actually really bad the water's just gushing in and there's you know the ship is gonna go down so you're like what do you even believe you know and at some point maybe the ship starts to list a little bit to the side and you start to think okay something's going on but again you're in the middle of this ocean liner right with the sea around you, you're not the greatest swimmer. There's not enough lifeboats for everybody. What do you do? And that's kind of the question that I've been wondering lately uh, is what do you do? You know, I, if there's uh, the possibility of going somewhere else. But like I said, this seems like a worldwide thing. Just look around at what happened during COVID. And this is not the last time these people are going to roll out some crazy scheme to like you know accumulate power hover up more resources for themselves and you know put the tighten the screws on the control system right and uh i feel like as bad as america has gotten in a short time it still seems to you you still seem better placed to resist tyranny here at least in some parts of america than other places in the world so i guess it's like i'll take my chances here where at least i you know know the language know the culture know some people and all that where home is because um, i don't you know if, if there was a better option i would look into it but i you know looking around at other parts of the world i just don't see it now some people may disagree with me maybe you think russia is uh i don't know i mean personally i i don't i think it's just it's just a different flavor of uh you know, who the, you got different people that are jockeying to be the one in control of this global 
system. You know, maybe you have Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin think that they can be the ones to do it. They can wrest control of it from the banksters and, you know, so forth in the West. I don't know. But I, I don't see Russia as being this bastion of individual, you know, liberty, freedom, and, you know, all that. Now, they, now they are, they have resisted a lot of the crazy uh, cultural Marxism, for what that's worth. But, you know, here in America, you have uh, red areas that have resisted that as well. I think your odds are a little better here, especially since we got so many private uh, weapons here in the United States. So anyway, it's like I guess if you get to a red area, uh, that's good. A red state, a red area within a red state, you know. I mean, it, with that, I'm not going to pretend that the, the Republicans are like, you know, that if, if the traditional conservatives just swept all the elections and implemented all that they're, they've ever wanted to do, that it would just be some utopia heaven on earth. I mean, I know there would still be problems, but relatively speaking, it's like, the the problems that you would have, I believe, under a uh, traditional conservative type of society are problems that you can deal with, whereas the problems that come with the cultural Marxism and the, you know, the anarcho-tyranny that you see happening and, and just a crazy amount of dysfunction that you see in places like San Francisco where they can't clean up the city or get homeless people or drug addicts or violent criminals off the streets until... The chairman of the Chinese Communist Party shows up for a visit and then they can clear it up for him because, of course, that's who they care about impressing. Not, don't worry about the livelihoods, uh, you know, of their, or the well-being of their own citizens, but, you know, kind of telling there. But yeah, you know, so what do you do? You know, uh, I mean, there's a difference with the analogy here with the, if you're a waiter on the titanic and the boats hit the iceberg well that all happened in a matter of hours you know the ship goes from hitting the iceberg to you know it's probably okay to oh shit this is a problem to wow the ship is really in trouble to it's definitely sinking get on the lifeboats as quick as you can to people dying you know within hours right so was with this it's like this has been an ongoing slow demolition from i don't know when you put america's peak at I mean, you could argue about that, but I mean, there's been a lot of crazy stuff over the last, you know, a few decades. Or you could point to as like maybe not a single iceberg, but a lot of little icebergs that a, the American ship of state has hit. You know, I would say like the uh, assassination of JFK and the installation of LBJ, for example, the Cultural Revolution of the 60s, Vietnam. The financialization of the economy, whatever the fuck happened in 1971, uh, when we went off the gold standards and suddenly production and, you know, the monetary policy completely decoupled, uh, you know, all the globalization, you know, with, uh, uh, especially with NAFTA in the nineties. And then from there, you know, the free trade agreement was with China, um, 9-11, 20 years of GWAT, the financial crisis after which uh, the banksters who caused the crisis got bailed out and everybody else got stuck with the fallout, uh, the you know Iraq war, trillions of dollars and thousands of lives needlessly wasted, um, leaving the region less safe, less stable than before, um, you know. Afghanistan, 
20 years uh, to replace the Taliban with the Taliban and leaving them with a shit ton of great weapons on our way out the door and kind of needlessly sacrificing our own people too uh, and nobody being held accountable except for the one Marine colonel who said, hey, why isn't anybody taking accountability for this? And yeah, they, that's the one thing you can't do is point to the lack of accountability. Um, yeah, you know, there's all these things. And then Ukraine, uh, now they're, uh, they've been poking the Russian bear, you know, the neocons, trying to get World War Three kicked off. You know, now you got the stuff going on with Israel and uh, Iran and all these different Arab groups in the Middle East. Uh, you know, so World War Three could be incoming. You got the Chinese uh, eyeing Taiwan. Uh, and then you got all the political violence we've had in America, the 2020 you know, color revolution you know, with, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter Incorporated and Antifa. And then it seems like we're gearing up for another crazy election cycle in 2024. You got uh, Joe Brandon, um, his two main opponents right now. You got Donald Trump, the front leader of the Republicans, who's under indictment for all kinds of stuff. And uh, then you got RFK Jr. running as an independent and Biden has denied him secret service protection. So basically like, you know, please assassinate my opponent or uh, indict my opponent. That's like basically Brandon's way. He's going to win in spite of his lack of popularity. All right. So anyway, things are going to get crazy. And, you know, again, unlike the Titanic, which was a matter of hours, this is a decades long thing, but it does seem to be accelerating and things seem to be coming to a head. We seem to be hitting some inflection points. Um, and what do you do? How do you prepare? You know, I don't, I don't think you really can prepare, you know, especially when the whole financial system could be collapsing. You look at the amount of debt, public and private, that's built up and how the numbers just don't add up. What do you do? You know, it's not like you can just, oh, if I, if I save enough money, I'll be all right. Yeah, no, you're not. The money's going to be worthless. Uh, we're talking like Weimar, Germany-level inflation, hyperinflation. All it's really missing is a black swan event, a big triggering event to, um, you know, kind of reveal the reality, the corruption, the rot that's already occurred, the de devastation and destruction that's already happened over the last, you know, years and decades. Um, right. So I don't think you can really prepare yourself financially. I mean, it seems like the best thing is getting skills, uh, but how much time do you have to do that? And, you know, what's the best use of your time? Um, definitely trying to improve your own fitness and the fitness and health and well-being of your family and friends and community uh, locally. You know, that's important and worth doing. Uh, you know, increase your resiliency because uh, I guess the thing with Black Swan events, I mean, it's unpredictable. And so it's like, you know, those who are resilient and adaptable and able to flexicute a uh, neologism that uh, a master sergeant I was in the army with used to say about Gumby. I guess flexible and execute. So he's like, flexicute. That was his thing. Anyway, if you can flexicute, that's 
So I don't know. I, I, I say this because this is something I've been wrestling with, and I really don't have any great answers. I don't know. And it's one of those things. It's like I know there's a lot of people that would be like, oh, that's just, just yeah, so cynical or, or pessimistic. You know, that's you should be more optimistic. You should. It's like, look, you know, I understand. Uh, it's good to be optimistic where you can be reasonably, but at the same time to be Pollyanna-ish and denying reality as it's happening in front of you uh i don't think that's you know maybe you feel better in the short term i think at least in long term acknowledging what's happening and coming to some kind of a peace and this is where a spiritual angle comes in and i don't know i'm not trying to preach to you about because something i'm still working through myself i mean i believe very strongly in god i don't believe that a lot of people that have claimed to speak on behalf of God actually are doing so or have done so. And a lot of the teachings and institutions that claim to, you know, be about furthering God's work or God's will in the world seem to be having the opposite effect. Um, but I do think, you know, God's very real and, and, uh, there's, a, there is a rule of thumb, uh, a heuristic that comes from the Bible, actually, John 10, 10. Uh, but I think it's, it's a good thing that transcends, you know, if you're not Christian, you can still take this. Uh, anyways, where Jesus says, the thief has come only to steal, to kill, or to destroy, but I have come that we have life and have it more abundantly. And so that, th- that kind of thing, you know, is this something that spiritually, does it lead to more abundant life, more well-being, health, fitness, you know, truth, wisdom, uh, resilience, joy, or does it lead to loss of life, to bondage, to feeling like oh, I can't say that, I can't do that, I, you know, having to tell white lies or you know um to be in fear of like what you know to to fear the truth somehow to uh or to you know not be able to speak the truth or live in accordance with the truth um the loss of health wellness joy um, you know, I think that that heuristic rule of thumb, does it lead to abundant life or does it lead to having that life stolen, killed, or destroyed? Uh, so anyway, in, in evaluating what is of God or what's not, what is, uh, you know, so many people claim to speak on behalf of God or, and especially as things get crazier, you know, I think we've we've we're kind of coming to the end of this material materialist phase in our humanity where um, you know you just take it for granted that ah the, everything that ha- that is good and and sound in terms of judgment is going to be something that can be codified and understood and kind of compartmentalized and placed in this you know, a book somewhere that you can go and look up and it's like all the experts have researched it and written about it and made pronouncements on it. And so it's like, you know, nothing's new under the sun, right? Um, anything that's woo woo or weird, 
you can just dismiss out of hand. It's like, I think we're heading into a lot of upheaval culturally. It's going to shake a lot of people's assumptions about a lot of things. Um, and certainly that's something that's, you know, been through the process myself the last several years of having a lot of my own bubbles burst and really grappling with things uh, personally, uh, but also just looking at the world at large and then some of the cosmic issues, the eternal issues, you know, about good and evil and truth and whatnot, the meaning of life. Um, you know, so anyway, I think as, as things collapse and fail around us, and that is coming, and it's like there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's like the, I think you can have a, a strong community on a local level, maybe even on a state level in, in the USA. Maybe what's left of the Tenth Amendment and the federal state federal system uh, will be our saving grace if some of the red states you know can be reinforced and uh, hold the line if and when the federal government collapses because yeah at some point what what's keeping the federal system going right now is it people's patriotism well they've spent the last several decades undermining that opposing it belittling it tearing it down tearing down any pride that people might have in our nation's history or heritage you know uh, in fact, pr- promoting the opposite view and promoting people who promote the opposite view that America is a terrible place or the racist is horrible. It's, uh, you know, it should be destroyed, you know. And so the, there's none of that. There's no sense of honor or real commitment to the values or ideals of America, um, you know, as far as any sense of an American identity. It's really been purely negative. That's from on high, like in, in academia and the media and the political leaders and public officials have just been promoting that very heavy-handedly. So you don't have that. You don't have, like, after World War II, you know, or during World War II, it was like, you know, pe- they were able to call upon that, you know, people to, to, to appeal to their sense of patriotism, even after 9-11, you know? But then, of course, you see after 20 years of GWAT and then the weapons of mass destruction being a lie and, you know, people wonder at seeing, relearning the lesson that General Major General uh, Smedley Butler had said, you know, about war being a racket. Well, it is. And, you know, so now people, the people that would join because they were patriotic, because they felt like, you know, we need to sacrifice, we need to pull together and save this country. Uh, and they're less likely to do it now because they see what, they see what has hijacked and taken over and co-opted and corrupted and inserted itself uh, into the halls of power in our country. And it's a, it's an alien force. It's a uh, destructive, uh, you know, and hates Americans, hates, you know, particularly uh, Anglo-Saxon males, uh, white men, and, and not just white men, but I mean, that's, Largely who, but also just anybody of any color who has any kind of real traditional values and, and believes in some of the ideals of America hates them too, right? I mean, you know, they they say that the black people are a politically favored class. That's true to a point, but not if they say the wrong thing or hold the wrong political views. Just look at Thomas Sowell or Candace Owens or somebody like that. I mean, it's like, yeah, the regime hates them just as much, if not more. So anyway, they don't—they don't have that to call upon to say, you know. Um, so what, what do they have to call upon in a moment of crisis? You know, it's really just the money. You know, 
It's like, well, it's good money because they can print as much money as they want. We got the world's reserve currency right now. It's like the closer you are to the financial system, the more access to money you have. It's much easier, and this is a sad state of affairs, but it's true. It's much easier to start some bullshit nonprofit or NGO or whatever, uh, get federal grant money to do something that has no redeeming social value whatsoever, does not increase any you know buddy's well-being in this world other than the handful of people who are grifting who you know are just skimming the money and you know makes that but as far as the the country at large is is you know just look at black lives matter incorporated right you got uh non-profit activism turns out to be quite lucrative when the co-founders become multi-millionaire real estate tycoons you know and don't give a fuck about what's happening in the black community you know right so it's like much easier to start a, a quote nonprofit like that and make millions of dollars doing uh, promoting a destructive ideology and harming and bringing down uh, and, and society and its institutions uh, versus trying to start a business where you're making something of real value that regular people want and can use you know some good or some service that tangible that improves people's lives that's much harder to do because you know, you got to charge uh, what it's worth to people. Whereas if you're closer to the printing press, i.e. the financial sector or the federal government, you're able to just get the money when it's printed, right? It's like what did I think uh, China may have said about the U.S. to, you know, uh, for a dollar, you know, that, that, that other countries have to trade to for a dollar a dollar's worth of goods and services whereas washington just prints it and just you know it's basically that's what, that's what we export that's what we sell as dollars right so it's like but that's true within our own country as well you know if you're a plumber or you know if you make something and try to sell it uh you gotta create a dollar's worth of goods and services whereas if you're a bankster or working for a nonprofit or you know, have a nonprofit and you like get a grant from the government, you just get the money. I mean, they just print it and give it to you. So it's like, anyway, that's how, that's what's holding the whole system together is just money, greed. You know, the idea that, well, if you play by the rules, you'll get rewarded, you'll get ahead. If you don't, you know, you won't be able to um, pay your bills, you won't be able to feed your family. Well, once that kind of changes, once hyperinflation sets in after you know world war three kicks off and you know the global trade's disrupted and there's no more cheap imports coming in from china and you know the war material uh, are short and so they're you know trying to get as much you know of the scrap material and production capacity going as they can it's like and everything is at a premium because there's shortages and all of a sudden that dollar is not worth much of anything and there's no foreign market for it uh and uh, you know kind of we turn into Weimar Germany. Well, that's the only thing that's been holding the system together is the greed, the or the carrot and the stick. But really, coming down to the financial system and the, the, the dollar, right? Because the sense of honor and patriotism and you know integrity, that's all gone. So anyway, that's what I was saying. The whole thing's going to come apart. And what do you do? And I think here it ha- it's improving your own fitness and well-being and health and strength and resilience spiritually physically uh, socially with those around you uh, your family and friends and neighbors and you know 
And uh, I don't have any great answers, you know. It's kind of open-ended thing, but it's something to think about because those times are here whether we're ready for it or not. I mean, 2024 is around the corner, and we have folks that are in power that would rather crash the whole system and start World War III, and even if that risks nuclear holocaust, then give up power. Because I guess they know what that means, too, is they're criminals, and so it's like if they give up power, it means they're they're going to get prosecuted, they're going to get exposed, uh, they're going to be held to account. That's the one thing they don't want. So... Anyway, yeah, it's not exactly a heartwarming message, uh, but it is what it is, and that's kind of where we're at. Uh, so something to think about, and especially as, as things go on. It's like make the most of your time with your family. Make the most of your time with those you love. And, uh, you know, if you're able to come to a solid spiritual grounding where you're at peace with things as they are, you know, that's something that would make you more resilient and uh, help you to navigate, you know, the crazy times that are ahead. Um, Cause they're here, they're coming, whether we're ready for it or not. So anyway, the ship has hit the iceberg. Sorry to break it to you, but I'm sure you already got that sense, you know, on, on a, on a level that's deeper than logic, deeper than words. We all kind of know there's something in the air. This feels different. You know, the last few years have been a, a foretaste, but, um, uh, that world, if you're old enough, you remember how things were in the 90s. You even remember how things were after 9-11. And it's like 9-11 was crazy and it seemed very different. I got my cat jumping up to try to join in the podcast. Uh, but even that world seems quaint uh, compared to the world of today. You know, because so much has changed. So much has, yeah, so many of our bubbles have been burst. Our illusions have been, we've been disillusioned of a lot of things. And what's left is... We see kind of what's what the reality has been, and not only just is today, but that has been what how we've been used and manipulated, how our institutions and our morality and our values and our norms have been you know, weaponized against us, um, and everything's been corrupted, and you know we're kind of like the suckers at the end of a long con at the end of a big Ponzi scheme, the people left holding the bag, the folks left, you know, I wrote a thing about the United States of Enron comparing us to that company. And yeah, you know, you imagine how you would feel if you're an Enron employee, especially if you were one of the utility workers, that's what Enron started out being was a legit utility. You're a utility worker. You think, I mean, you hear the rumors you see the stuff in the news, but then one day you come to work and it's like, yeah, hey, you're out of a job and your retirement's gone. And, you know, all so that some fat cat executive could have a bigger yacht, you know, because one yacht wasn't enough. He had to have two yachts. He had to have another vacation home. And he was to do that. He is willing to destroy your livelihood and the livelihoods of all the people around you. You know, that's kind of where we're at as a, as a country, as a, even a global society. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, let me, sorry, I don't have something better, but it is what it is. But I think the thing is, is like when I wrote a post not long ago about the good that evil does, and that's something I think inadvertently that that comes out of stuff like this is that when evil acts, it runs at risk of shaking people out of their dogmatic slumbers, you know, of getting people to, to recognize 
oh shit there's something more to this world than just you know going to work and watching tv and you know whatever little pastimes that you have you know waiting till friday and you know doing this and doing that you know there's like it kind of shakes people out of their complacency because i'm thinking about the bigger picture good and evil truth and all that and um you know, there's kind of a principle of symmetry, maybe, where if there's this amount of evil, then it's probably good that the evil is corrupting or perverting or acting in opposition to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, something that C.S. Lewis had said from uh, Mere Christianity, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be a word without meaning. And, you know, when things seem especially dark, then it really makes you wonder, well, what is the light? You know, because it's not coming from my 401k. It's not coming from, you know, the promotion that I was hoping that I would get. Or it's not coming from, you know, the great college that I was hoping my kids would get into that I'd be able to brag about, you know, to my friends like, yeah, so-and-so junior's doing this now. And he's, you know, but when your kids living with you still, and you know, as an adult, because houses are so much more expensive than they ever used to be. And, you know, and, and the, the economy's collapsing and, you know, your retirement's more or less worthless. I mean, yeah, there's social security. Um, but you know, does anybody who's, more than 10 years away from retirement age really think that's going to be a viable source of retirement income for them. You know, or you hear about the trust fund that we supposedly have, right? So you have this trust fund. What does it consist of government bonds, basically IOUs from the government where the government's like, yeah, we're counting that as an asset. We are going to pay ourselves in the future, this amount of money. And uh, we're going to count that as an asset today. It's like, yeah, you go try to try that, go into a bank and try to get a loan. And say, you know, oh, I got this bond for hundred thousand um, dollars. That's my collateral. Oh, really? Well, who issued that bond? Well, I issued it to myself. I'm going to pay myself a hundred thousand dollars in ten years. So this bond is as good as a hundred thousand dollars, right? No. Yeah, that's basically how the government accounting works. So yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, in your forties or thirties, or Lord help you, if you're in your twenties. You're looking at Social Security or looking at your 401k and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to be able to retire. I'm going to have this these golden years ahead of me that, you know, yeah, not going to happen. And I think you know that on, on a deep level. So then the question is, well, if you're not getting your meaning, your fulfillment, your validation in life from that, what do you get it from, right? So it's like you have this existential crisis that you got to face head on. And that can actually be a good thing, um, you know, because if we're living in this, uh, society based on a bunch of lies, you know, based on a bunch of phony values and uh, that's unnatural, that's, you know, contrary to our own human nature. Well, I guess. And <laughs> trying to see the, the silver lining here because trust me, I'm not like talking about this like I'm not worried about what this is all going to mean for me or my kids or whatever. It's like, you know, but you got to make the best of the world that we actually have. So, anyway, Evil is sometimes good in this way. It offends our moral sense, and this in turn makes us aware that the law of human nature is encoded in the deepest parts of our being. We do not understand this law or the demands it makes of us. 
flagrant violations of the law provoke our condemnation. Provoke our condemnation. Yet when we attempt to articulate this law, we encounter endless difficulties. Um, the strange state of affairs inspires us to ask questions. Ruminating on these questions and discussing them with others and attempting to resolve these issues in our own lives can enable us to catch fleeting glimpses of the reality from which the moral law proceeds. So anyway, maybe that's the silver lining. My cat's knocking stuff over. I guess you could say that evil makes us aware of good. And here I'm reading from the, my post, uh, The Good That Evil Does. Evil makes us aware of good by highlighting its absence. Thus, evil does do some real good. And this to me is proof that evil is not the ultimate authority, but that it is that it only pretends to be. Evil is a parasite, and a parasite cannot be the ultimate source of life. Well, anyway, just going back to the whole, the whole idea of God and good, and ultimately, um, I think that's the thing. Is, as evil becomes more obvious it really forces us to ask questions and, and you know to become more aware of the contrast with evil and good it also highlights good you know so we'll see more good in the world and more opportunities for real good for and at the end of the day i guess it comes back to what is this life even about what are we even here to do you know if you really think that this is the base reality and that this is it and you're just a one shot you know collection of molecules that you know go through certain processes and then those processes peter out and then that's it and you know then i suppose it would be pretty terrible you know what's coming but if you think that which i do believe that you know there's more to it the consciousness is prior to matter or more fundamental than physical matter or energy that consciousness, you know, I mean, for one thing, it's like the only thing that we can be immediately aware of. We can only know firsthand immediately our own consciousness and its contents, right? We infer the existence of a material world where, you know, matter and energy and all that, right? Um, and so anyway, if you accept that um, consciousness is prior, then... Because there's a lot of questions about what is this life even about and what are we supposed to be doing. And when times get crazy, it's a good time to ask those questions. And I think at the end of the day, you know, the opportunity to become more in line with truth, virtue. And those terms have to grow to meaning within us. But to develop our muscle spiritually, if this world is like a metaphysical boot camp, you know, where maybe you're set up for failure a lot of times. But persevering through that and overcoming those obstacles and difficulties makes you stronger and whatever it is that of you that persists after your physical death or the death of your body you know maybe that's ultimately what makes it worth it maybe it's the relationships that you have your capacity for love i don't know i'm just throwing things out there but whatever it is if you're drawing your sense of self-worth from your identification with your financial net worth um you know what's in your 401k all that you're probably going to be disappointed. Anyway, on that heartwarming note, my name is Daniel D. This is a Ghost of Machine, the podcast, episode number 28. The ship has hit the iceberg. It is Sunday, November 12th, 2023. Probably going to release this in the morning, tomorrow, Monday, uh, the 13th. Woohoo, lucky number. But anyway, um, if you haven't already subscribed to 
my Substack, go ahead and visit my Substack. It goes to the machine.substack.com. Subscribe there and comment. You know, hey, maybe you think I'm full of shit. Maybe there's things I've left out, things that you want to correct me on. Let me know how wrong I am. Or if you agree. But anyway, um, you can visit my Substack, comment there, and uh, hope to see you in the comments section. All right, peace out, y'all.